Okay, well, guys, uh, welcome to the Virgin Voyage of the Texas Tap Rooms uh, podcast. Um, I'm your host. You can call me Murph. Some people call me Chris, but I'm going to go by Murph. Uh, today, I'm joined by um, my co-host. My name is Matt. Matt's here. And our, you know, I say host, but of course, we're guests here today. We actually have our real host, which is... I'm Shane with New Magnolia Brewing. So, Texas Tap Rooms was... Um, you know, we're, we're doing this podcast to find the best tap room in Texas, the best brewery in Texas. And of course, we're going to have the best in class tap rooms as well. And this is going to be a leaderboard style, um, best in class category. And of course, we can't do that unless we go visit the breweries individually and talk to the brewery owners. So, uh, Shane, thanks for having us. Thanks for bringing us here today. And we're here to talk to you and, for you to tell us a little bit about your brewery, and let's have a little bit of fun with this. Sure. Yeah, thanks for having me. Um, I appreciate the invite be the, I guess we're the maiden voyage, the first uh, Yeah, I feel brewery. like we should be breaking uh, a champagne bottle or right, something. Right, kind yeah, of, you know? we're groundbreaking right here. Yeah. All right. Yeah, no, I appreciate it. We've done a, uh, like I said, we, we've done a few of these in the past, so we've got a little experience. I'm always happy to help um, folks launch new opportunities in the Houston market, whether it's food, music, art or uh, something of this nature in, in the social media space. How did you get this thing started? Are you the original owner? Did you? And, and, and I want to clarify this. I did no research on New Magnolia because I wanted to be all discovered right here, right now. So how did you get started? Yeah, sure. It was totally by accident, as I, as I tell the story. You know, we were homebrewing in the, in the, the 2014-15 time frame, and people were coming to us offering to uh, buy our beer out of the garage. And we were doing a one-barrel all-grain system. Um, and it, it just started to kind of gain traction in the neighborhood uh, in the heights here where we live. And the um, people were like, if you if you build a brewery, I'll, I'll write you a check. Like, your beer is so good. It's better than five of the eight breweries that were in Houston during that point in time. And uh, lo and behold, Texas changed the legislation in 2014 to um, allow for brew pubs. And now is the precipice for us to kind of start the exploration process of opening a brewery. Um, I never had intended to do this. It was just kind of an accident all happening um, in my journey with beer. And we, um, we did the research. We looked around the country. We, we flew around the country. We talked to maybe a hundred different brewery owners up and down the East and West coast, trying to pick their brain for what, what worked, what didn't work, um, how to go about it. And kind of came to the conclusion that Texas, uh, and Houston was just like a very, uh, blue sky opportunity, uh, because Texas was, um, the second largest beer drinking state in the U S and then by the number of breweries were second to last. Right. And so you've got a ton of, um, built in demographic, uh, that's, uh, into the craft scene and it's just got a lot of opportunity in front of it. So when you look at all that and you look at the economics behind the cost of the beer versus the sell point on the beer and um, the different tiers you can operate in, it seemed like a good opportunity to, to put a flag into and uh, build a brand and really start from, from the ground up. And so that's what we did in 2018. We found our building 2019, November of 2019, we opened and then we suffered through the pandemic uh, of 2020 and 2021. Um, but we were fortunate, um, as we like to say, there were silver linings to those two years. And so, uh, we, we made lemon aid out of lemons for those two years. 
Boy, that sucks to, to start a business during that time, huh? But, uh, you know, here we are. You're still, you got through it. And, um, that's pretty cool, man. I, I like, I like when people just, you know, take, take something that's their passion and just go after it. You know, it's pretty, pretty entertaining. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it, it's, it's, um, it's been a journey, you know. Um, I think what has kept us going has been the enthusiasm of the craft beer market in Houston, uh, the patrons that come through every week in the Heights. You know, little every time we start to feel a little like beat up and maybe um, displaced or just kind of worn out, something good happens. Like we'll win a you know another national medal for one of our beers, and or we'll get a huge recognition in the, the local uh, Houston scene for something we've done, or we'll have an event that'll just be gangbusters. And so those things refill you and you kind of just, you know, say, okay, this is why we're in it. And then, and eventually those, those things start to happen more often than not. And that's what, you know, keeps you going. And then you see your distribution grow, you see your taproom traffic grow, you see the number of people that you um, can um, communicate and touch with in the marketplace. And, and that really just helps you just kind of keep going. I mean, we, we joke like this year, 2022 is year one for us. Um, 2020 was nothing. You throw it away. I mean, literally just throw that year away. 2021, um, was a little, there was something there, but it wasn't much to hold on to. Um, and then 2022, you know, we had a grand opening in May of 2022 here. And then we just started hammering our distribution and trying to get the get get as much beer out there in the marketplace as we can have as many touch points with folks that we can in the marketplace kind of expand our houston footprint looking to go beyond that now and really i mean here we are year one year three if you want to look at it that way and our only thing on our mind right now is scaling how do we scale up and and successfully achieve that so that we can hit the next level and then scale up from there it's like any business i mean there's there's the first few years are definitely very hard, very hard to get off the ground, uh, and a lot of lumps and a lot of bumps in the road. It's almost like golf, you know. You you go out there and try to shoot around, and then you you shank them out into the woods, or you or you put one in the in the water, and then you hit that one long drive or that one long putt or that one long approach uh, shot, and that gets you hooked and keeps you going. Yep. You know. Yeah. That's why it keeps you coming back. Yeah, it makes all the all the other stuff that you did badly go away. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you need those wins. Uh, you, you know, you mentioned one of those wins was the, uh, I, I think you said the, the a national medal or a national mm-hmm. beer award. What, what, what yeah. So, I mean, year one, literally like in 2020, we entered uh, GABF with a few beers and we won our first beer medal there, a bronze in the historical category for Father Bernard's Gradzitski, which is a 400-year-old Polish smoked wheat ale that we do, uh, live oak uh kind of made a name for themselves in the state of Texas with their Grodzitski, which is just incredibly good. And so we were really honored that first year to win that, that award. And then we followed it up in um, later that year with our Czech Amber Lager winning a bronze at the U S open, which is the second largest beer competition in the U S. And then in 21 um, Heights light won a um, medal. And then in 2022, uh, Heights Light won again at the GABF for silver in American Light Lager category, which is one of the largest competed categories um, at GABF. What, what, what is GABF? Great American Beer Fest. Okay. It's the annual uh, festival and competition um, in Denver. Okay. Yep. 
And so if I remember reading correctly, you were the only Houston area brewery this year to place. Yeah. that. Yeah. Yeah. Matt. I mean, that's, that's right. Um, crazy to think that, um, at GABF only one Houston brewery took home an award, uh, where the, I mean, previously at like world beer cup, three Houston breweries took home an award each, uh, which is, uh, that's a bigger stage, bigger, bigger competition. Um, so you would have thought, oh, okay, like we're going to have plenty of Houston um, breweries. But 17 medals for the state of Texas. If one came from Houston, it's still a win for the city of Houston. It's still a win for the state. Absolutely. And that's awesome. Yeah, I'm, I mean, where is the the uh, brewery capital of the United States? I, I'm, I'm going to go out on a limb here and say it's Colorado. Is that fair or is there somewhere else? You know... I mean, I, I'm, and I'm saying before the things you mentioned that made Texas uh, a little more um, friendly to growth. Before that, because Texas has been exploding. Um, where was it before Before that? Argu- arguably, like the craft beer movement started in California, right? And then probably Oregon okay, um, and Washington State. Uh, that West Coast uh, proximity to all the hop fields and uh, just that um, that consumer mindset that they were willing to try things other than the domestic beers that were dominating the U.S., which is the Budweiser, Miller, course. And I think slowly over time, it migrated out of California. And then as craft brew brewing became more popular, it kind of landed in Denver, got very popularized out there uh, in the Colorado region. And, and then, you know, now the East Coast stands on its own because there's uh, Asheville, North Carolina, which is the mecca of East Coast uh, beer uh, at multiple levels. I mean, that little town has beer tourism, which supports it year round. Uh, Tampa, St. Pete has one of the best beer scenes in the United States. That's like the most underrated or, or unknown. Uh, so it's it's now kind of migrated west to east. And it's funny because like with the IPA space, you can see it uh, where we have this east coast, west coast competition going on for IPAs. Okay. You know. So let's go east, young man. Not go west, young man. Well, I don't know. I'm not a. I don't necessarily subscribe to that. Um, I today we have the beer that I picked when you know you asked me to pick three, uh, pick one of the three. Uh, I picked Redwood, which is our West Coast IPA, because I still think there's a incredible opportunity for West Coast um, here in the state of Texas, and then going east. Being in Texas, one thing that we suffer from it is an identity crisis. We don't know who we want to most mimic. We don't know if we want to be East Coast or West Coast. So it actually works out really nicely because we're a little of everything. We're kind of everything in between. Um, and so that, that helps out a lot uh, with regards to the styles of beer that exist here in the Houston and Texas market. Yeah, I will say whenever I get a good West Coast IPA, it does remind me of like one of those first craft beers that I ever tried. Yeah. Yeah, I think the biggest on- one of the biggest honors we've been kind of spent- has been said to us is um, – one of the Sierra Nevada reps who's kind of runs all of the state of Texas. Uh, when we first put out Redwood, he came in and he's like, man, he goes, you guys like, what did you just, he asked the question, what were you thinking when you made this? I said, we were thinking 1989 Sierra Nevada celebration. And he's like, well, I'm pretty sure you got it. And he's like, this is probably one of the best West coast in the state of Texas. And, I said, well, thank you. You know, we appreciate that. And so he started buying it and sending it back home to the folks in California. And, uh, yeah, they were like, damn, you know, they gave us a thumbs up for it and said, keep nice. on keeping on. Um, so that, you know, that kind of nod being an early brand new brewery, 
uh, that's that's better than those medals on the wall. Yep. Hey, on those medals though, and mm. and yeah, point taken. How, how do how do people know about that? Like, do they have to subscribe to something to get you know to to know about the the good things you're doing at the brewery, or or is it or do you put it on your Instagram, your Facebook? Like, other than that, like how how are people being made aware of this? Yeah, I, you know we we market um, the tar out of these metals so that uh, folks can um it, it's kind of an instant qualifier like people come in all the time it's kind of funny they say i don't usually drink craft beer so what's good i go listen i go don't take my word for it there are two medals on the wall for two different beers that are probably right up your alley i said you can start there and then figure out where you want to go next okay sure so it's like an instant qualifier it's like a warranty on your beer yeah yeah, yeah. look when i started drinking beer which i'm not going to disclose which age it was but um, I drank when I used to go to parties. I used to drink the beer that nobody else drank because that's that's how I knew that somebody was stealing my beer, right? Mm. It, it's it's only now that I started to when I got older to appreciate the different flavors of beer, and and before it was just find out who's stealing my beer, and so you know we got a samples of samples of different beers here, which I think is fantastic because everybody has their own uh, their own flavor, their own taste. I personally am not a fan of IPAs, but I like the darker stouts, the, the darker lagers, the ales. Uh, I mean, that's my flavor. And, and, and so these micro brews or these different breweries all over the country, they cater to many different, uh, to many different groups and it gives everybody something to have, right? Yeah. It's, um, it's, it's true. Like a lot of breweries focus on IPA because it, it represents two thirds of the, every sales dollar in the marketplace for craft beer. And, you know, you, you almost know instantly like two thirds of your people are going to come in and drink all that juice up, you know, and it's easy to sell it. It's when you decide to go off on a, on a tangent or in a different direction away from the IPA and take some risks and do other styles that most often aren't found out there that um, you, you really put your brewing prowess out there. You, you put your, your, you know, your, your dollar gets stretched further because it takes a while to sell that beer. And, um, you have to win people over with those beers. Uh, there are a lot of people who drink an IPA and that's all they know. And they order it based on IPA alone, not what's in it or what it's, what, how it was made. And they, they, they just think that that is the, um, the go-to for the craft industry. But like right now in the craft industry, we're seeing a rise in, uh, lagers and pilsners. And traditionally, they weren't available because a lot of the breweries uh, didn't have the equipment, the time, or the resources to brew those types of beers. But the consumer now is saying, hey, like, okay, give us something clean and crisp and really show us that, you know, as a small to mid-scale size brewery, you can produce high-quality lagers and pilsners. And they've been doing that on the East Coast. I'm sorry, on the West Coast for a long, long time. Um, it's now starting to really gain traction here in Texas and um, even further onto the East Coast. So talking about the loggers kind of gaining traction in the industry, I saw just before we started talking back in the, in the, in the brew house back there that you've actually got some equipment that is not typical, it looks like to me, of, of your standard brew house here in Texas. 
And I'm assuming that's for for lagering capability. Matt, Matt, are you are you a closet brewer? I occasionally will dabble in it. Yes. Oh, really? Yeah. Okay. Okay. So uh, he's looking no, for a I job mean, here, I think. But <laughs> I mean, there are uh, you know you start to see some some typical equipment when you go around to breweries, and there's some horizontal tanks in there that look like they're doing something that I'm not familiar with. And I mean, is that something that makes New Magnolia unique that you would say? Yeah, you're, you you got a good eye. Um, we're the I didn't know we were, but we were the first Houston brewery to have um, horizontal lagering tanks. Uh, so they're stacked, uh, two 15-barrel tanks that are stacked. We bought them purely as an opportunity to um, do lagering the correct way because we, we really wanted to open the brewery with uh, focus on Eastern European styles and European, well, just European styles. I don't want to say Eastern, but European styles. And a lot of those are lagers and pilsners. Uh, so when you have the right equipment, it does produce the end result that you expect. Uh, supposedly we're the first, I, I think there are a couple other breweries around Houston now that have got a few. Um, and I'll tell you, it does make a difference. Um, we, we, you know, it takes six weeks to make that lager, uh, for uh, four weeks sitting inside that, um, horizontal firm, uh, that horizontal lagering tank. It really does the job. Uh, we spun all of our lagers and pilsners and any other beer that we possibly can, which is, uh, a form of carbonating the beer through the yeast fermentation process. So ultimately what happens is you end up having these like denser, richer, creamier heads because the bubbles are much smaller versus when you do a forced carbonation in the um, bright tank or the lo- or the fermentation vessel itself. And so there, there's a lot of beneficial aspect to it and they look cool. Um, and they're a good they conversation they piece. Pretty cool. Yeah. They're, they're front and center. So. Yeah. I mean, it's kind of a, it's kind of, it's too, you know, like you park a lot of money there <laughs> um, because you're parking a beer there for six weeks and then you don't get to sell it for another few weeks. So, you know, a lot of the breweries need to turn their beer every seven to 10 days um, out of production and into the tap room or into distribution so that they can complete their revenue cycle in a 30 day window. Uh, when you go to lagering, you're kind of saying, Hey, it's not about the dollar. It's more about the product and the quality. I was going to ask that question because I'm not a beer expert. Okay. So um, I like beer. I feel like Brett Kavanaugh here. Like I drink beer. I like beer. Okay. <laughs> mm-hmm. Um, but is that why most breweries start off with IPAs? Because that, that, that turnover to profit is sooner than the other beers, uh, the lagers and, and that sort. Yeah. Yeah. In a way, yes. Uh, it also goes back to kind of the, the mindset that people just come in and they know what an IPA is. So they're, they're, they don't have, they're not going out on a limb to try it. So they they don't feel uncomfortable spending $7 on something they don't know about. They're willing to just dive in. Um, you know, the, the, the thing about IPAs, which is kind of scary, is you can hide any kind of mistakes you make in them as a brewery. Um, also, the water quality of, of the beers, that, that of, of what the beers are made from, is very instrumental in the, in the end result. And uh, various, you know, high chlorinated acidic water profiles um, can have negative effects on beers and they get hidden in IPAs and things of that nature. Um, and it's, it's unfortunate to the consumer because they don't know any better. Um, and so they just, all of a sudden they have this notion of what it should taste like when it's not correctly designed, um, because of water and whatever else has been done to it. Um, but yeah, to your, to your question, uh, I think it's just a function of people recognize the style. And so they're willing to go out and try it and they'll bounce from like, two or three different IPAs. I mean, there's a brewery right now in town that makes fantastic beer out of the 13 beers they have on. They have eight IPAs, right? Right. And they have 
like three other something or others and one other very basics. Um, It's just, it's a personal preference. You know, we specifically didn't open New Magnolia with a hazy um, and we didn't really lean into that because we didn't want people coming in and just asking for that and only showing up for that. We wanted them to take appreciation for all the different styles that exist and kind of what we were trying to achieve with the beer and the brand. And we do them and, you know, nine out of 10 of them have turned out fantastic as far as hazies go. Uh, we've had one or two misses that we just didn't think landed where they should have landed. People still enjoy them. Um, but it's kind of like, you know, looking for the Holy grail. You just never stop, especially with hazies and especially with IPAs. Everybody's in search of the next best. The thing about the Pilsners and Lagers, you can make really great Pilsners and Lagers, but they've been being made for so long that there's just dialed in recipes that you can find out there. Like just pluck them off the internet and go at it. And couple fine tuning couple you know cycles on that beer and, and you could get it pretty close to, to like high quality um, some of these other beers you got to work at and tinker with for quite a while you know that's why I've I've somewhat avoided um, the brewery scene for a while because a lot of a lot of those places did IPAs uh, um, I wouldn't say solely but like I said, I'm not, my personal flavor is not IPAs. Right. And so I like the lagers and the ales and, and different things like that. So I think it's fantastic that you uh, got quite a diverse uh, menu here at New Magnolia. Yeah. I mean, 60% of our production right now is dedicated to lagers and pilsners. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. Let me ask you this, because you mentioned it. Uh, I mean, I think, is it Coors Light that says, you know, brewed with Rocky Mountain Water? Is, is mm-hmm. that their tagline? Something like that? Something yeah. close to that, yeah. Yeah. Uh, is that a big deal here in Houston? Is is or is that is that something that adds to the character of the beer, or do you do something special with the water, or or what is it? You want to get into water chemistry? Do you get into water chemistry? You got a chemist on hand? Or? We do. He's a chemical engineer. Oh, really? The head <laughs> brewer. Um, and so yeah, we we recognized early on in, in home brewing in the front yard, like we should not be using tap water out of the faucet or out of the hose, right? Um, and I I learned that lesson. Because I'm from the Northeast, New York City, where when I live there, um, it's some of the highest quality water. And people talk about it all the time, like, oh, the pretzels and the pizza and the, you know, the bagels, they're so good. And it's honestly, it's because of the water. So the secret to New York pizza is, is in the water. It's all, yes, it's all, all the water. water. Okay. This, is what, this is what they want to tell you. <laughs> so the, wa- the water up there comes through seven naturally, aqu- uh, naturally occurring, um, like, uh, aquifers, not aquifers, but, um, Springs. Uh, it comes out out of the Adirondacks, and as it as it trickles its way down to New York City, it's purified seven in seven different like mountain stops as it comes down. I lost the word for it, and so um, in the course of doing that, it hits New York City, and it's like damn near perfect. The only thing they have to do is add the fluoride, and just a just like one part per billion of uh, chlorine or chloramine to just kind of like knock out any other bacteria. But it, it, by the time you drink it out of the faucet, it's, it's super perfect. So then, then you come to Houston and um, the water is some of the highest chlorinated water in the country because all of our water is surface water rain collection, right? So what that means is everything, every time it rains, it dumps all the water on the roofs of our, of our houses and our buildings and then onto the concrete streets and into the sewer system where it's then collected because we don't have massive rivers and, 
and water streams and, and snow melt and anything like that. So we collect all of it from the rain and then we store it in Lake Conroe and Lake Houston. And then when we bring it in to make it potable, we treat it. The fastest way for treatment is just to chlorinate the hell out of the water. So our chlorination levels are some of the highest in the country. Um, well, when you try to make really good beer with high chlorine levels, it, it the first thing it impedes is the yeast's ability to propagate inside the fermentation and to do an effective job of completing their, their full uh, fermentation cycle. And so that's like the first thing you, you, you want to avoid. So for us, we said, you know what, let's just spend the money. Let's put a water softener in. Let's put a charcoal system in. Let's put a reverse osmosis system in. And let's produce just base neutral water with 99.9% of all the, all the sediment, all the chlorine, everything else that you can rip out of it out and start from there and then rebuild the water profile based on where the beer came from. So if the beer comes from Belgium, we take the water profile from Belgium, like, because it's all on the internet and we do the water chemistry and we add back what's taken out so that it can meet the water profile of Belgium. And then we buy the grain from that part of the country or the world and the hops and the yeast that we get in the U.S., and then we combine it all to make as authentic a beer as we can to where it originated from, starting with the water. Hmm, that's pretty awesome. That is that is so cool. You, so you got you got a full time water boy, like high quality H two O. Yeah. Oh man. Yeah. I mean, and I, I I I tell people all the time, like, if you don't believe me, our tap water that we put not our tap water, our water that we put out on the counter, that's the same water that we brew with. I will not let anybody who comes into this place even fill their dog dish with tap water i'm like you must use our brewery water to consume on premise and there's a reason why because chlorine cannot be processed through your liver and if you're drinking a bunch of beer with a lot of chlorine or any other water with chlorine that you can't process your body can't break it down so you're stuck with it until you get rid of it in one form or another it also results in wicked hangovers yeah (laughs) maybe that's why i'm getting those i don't know but that's just that's just so fantastic because that's like the part of the craft that is so fundamental, so foundational, yet it goes completely untalked about. Right. The general public is not aware of it. Yeah. I mean, it's, I, I tip, we, I'm always like, first place that, first thing I do when I go into a brewery is I'm like, hey, where, where's your water system? Like, why do you guys handle your water? You know, if they know who I am, they're like, you know, and, or if they don't, they show me or they tell me. And you, the thing that you start to notice is like all the beers kind of have a, a very similar mouth and taste mouthfeel and taste if they're just using regular old tap water and the only way you really can deviate from that is if like you're really really paying attention to your recipes and you're really really working with your grain bills to kind of mute all that or fix all that that man i i'm stunned by the level of uh actually no i'm stunned by your level of knowledge and in intellect and business acumen you you said you started doing this i think you said in your front yard or your garage yeah what were you doing before that? Were you in, in some business world? Or were you just a college so I, student? What, what was going on? Yeah, no. Started, I left college, uh, started with Shell Oil, uh, did a couple of years with them, and then moved to New York City. I was a management consultant in different industries and then kind of wrapped up New York with, uh, with uh, in corporate finance and okay. came back to Houston in corporate finance. Um, and then, then I had decided by accident, you know, we should do this. Um, but I guess, I guess growing up, I always had a strong interest in, in biology and chemistry. I was a pre-med guy in college until I decided I didn't want to study that hard to go to medical school. And I liked, 
I liked being at Florida State for all the wrong reasons <laughs> um, versus studying my ass off. And I think all of us went to yeah. college for probably some wrong reasons. Yeah. Right? And so um, the beauty of it is, is it's, it's the base science is, is not difficult to wrap your head around. Uh, it's when you start going to the next level that you got to like really pay attention and focus. And uh, it's just processed by repetition. Yeah. Well, look, I'm, I'm quite impressed by your, like I said, your business acumen, uh, your level of knowledge around beer. You're you're not the head brewer, from what I gather. You said you had a head brewer, so you kind of correct. You probably stepped away and and got into running the business a little more, or right? Yeah, okay. yeah. Managing the facility. Yeah. So uh, my my father-in-law is the head brewer. Oh, cool. Um, he's also my business partner here. Oh, nice. Um, he was he was brewing. He's been brewing beer for twenty five years now. Yeah. Um, and it all started because I brought him bought him a homebrew kit in two thousand one. Uh, so 22 years, uh, 2001, I bought him a homebrew kit for Christmas one year, and he just went bonkers from that point forward. Oh, that's pretty cool. And yeah. I, did you say your dad or your father-in-law, father-in-law was an engineer? He's a chemical engineer. Oh, yeah. So you, you give these guys some toys, and they just they go crazy with it, you know? Right. Yeah. You know, you you. Um, it's funny. Like, I was thinking about this this morning on before I came over. I don't drink beer anymore. I, I taste beer um, out of curiosity. But for me to sit around and like have, you know, three or four pints with somebody, I just, it's probably not going to happen. I, I, I don't know if it's, and I don't drink wine and I every so often enjoy a scotch or a whiskey. Um, but I've gotten to the point where uh, I'm more interested in like learning about it and expanding my palate as opposed to fixing my palate by always going to the same thing. And I, I would rather try a bunch of a lot of things. Versus just always going back to the same thing over and over and over again. But that's because I'm in this endless pursuit and exploration of the industry and everything that it has to offer and what makes, like, if, if we all three of us had the same exact beer that we we're going to brew on our systems at, in, our, in our respective locations, we'd all come out with a slightly different beer, right? No matter yeah. if we followed every step by step to the T. Yeah. Um, and that's that aspect of it, like, oh, you know, how did you get to that? And how did you get to that? And it's just, it's fun because it's, I'm a, I'm an academic junkie, right? And um, so I just love to continue to explore and learn. And this is the perfect world because you can never, you never figure it all out. There's absolutely nothing you can say. Okay, I reached the end of the of, of this. Like you can never reach the end of the internet. You can never reach the end of craft brewing. Brewing. Yeah, you know, look, the people that are going to be successful at at certain things, they become a junkie at it, you know, and, and they they dive into it uh, mm-hmm. just like you are. So that's that's pretty awesome. Uh, hey, let, let's pivot a little bit to um, to the facility. Um, you know, you're right here in the middle of the Heights. If anybody uh, knows the Houston area, I don't. I'm a sub. I'm a suburbs guy. Uh, Matt, you you live here, right? I live pretty close. You live pretty close. Dan- dangerously close to being here. Too oh. often, yeah. Tell, I mean, just give us a, a little bit of feel for you know where this is located in the Heights area. You live here, right? So. Sure. I don't know your actual address. But so we're at sixteen sixteen Beavis Street. Beavis. Okay. Some locals call it Bevis. It's controversial as to how you pronounce it. I think Beavis and Butthead was B E A V I S. Correct. Yeah. Okay. So, okay. so maybe they looked at the uh, lack of the A and didn't call it Beavis. Supposedly the street predates that, but I, I don't know. <laughs> but yeah, we're, uh, we're what the, before Beavis and Butthead. Yeah. We're oh, on the, the western part of the Heights, a very bustling area, right? You've got some other breweries in proximity, and 
a lot of a lot of Houstonites who are craft beer drinkers, I would say, gravitate towards Hyatt's. Yep. Yeah. For that reason? Perhaps. For, I don't yeah. know. I mean, look, if I, like I said, I'm coming from the Burbs, and when I come in here, it's a very bustling type of neighborhood. It's not for me. Like, I like my space, and I like the quiet, right? But I certainly get why people, you know, you can be within walking distance or a short, a short uh, Uber ride to some of your favorite uh, beer destinations or restaurants. You know, it's a pretty lively scene. So um, I, I get why people are here, right? I think it helps um, that we do have proximity to other breweries uh, because a lot of people – you know, they, they, they come in, they have one or two or a flight or whatever, and then they're, they want to go try something else because they are coming in from the burbs, right? And they want to make the most of their four, five, six-hour window that they have inside of the neighborhood that they very rarely come into. And it's easier when you come into the Heights and you've got nine breweries within three miles of each other, and you don't, you don't have to spend a significant amount of time at each one. You just kind of go where you, where you, you know, wherever your whim is. Um, or whatever you're recommended to, like there are a lot of people who come in and like, yeah, we just left, you know, great heights. And they said to come over here because you guys had the best blah, blah, blah. Um, or, Hey, I saw online that, you know, heights light won GABF. So we want to try that out because we're out trying, um, award-winning beers today, or we're in a beer club and we're bouncing from brewery to brewery, whatever it is. Uh, it's, it's nice to have, um, kind of that proximity to other breweries, bars and restaurants. Nine in a three mile range. It's that's the number it's yeah we're we're and that density is a positive thing to you yeah we're we're just now getting there with the with that i mean i i always it's it's the triangle that starts at like uh holler and then kind of shoots across this way and then goes up to wakefield which is um where brash is and great heights and uh walking stick and a few others so and then Asheville's up there and then there's a, and then you know we've got two more breweries that are going to be popping up here in the general area, uh, not too long from now. Nice. Um, and and about the atmosphere here, so yeah, geographically you're located right in the center of the heights. Mm-hmm. I mean, as I was coming in here, I see, you know, like there's there's houses and then there's you, there's apartment buildings and then there's you. You're right. right you're right in the middle of it. You know, so it must be great for foot traffic and and. Uh, the locals here to be able to stop in after work and, and, and drop in for a quick beer or even on a weekend uh, as they're doing a little brew tour. Um, around your facility here, I mean, you got a fairly decent footprint and a lot of outdoor space. you got some covered space. I see some cornhole games over there, some some other activities for people to enjoy, uh, some TVs. So I, I guess they can enjoy uh whatever game is on mm-hmm. or a soccer game or a hockey game, whatever it is. You have an organ. I don't know what the organ's for. Or, sorry, not an organ, a piano. Piano, yeah, no, upright. Yeah. yeah. I got it for $100 at a church auction. Okay, okay. <laughs> and I figured, you know what, throw it in here. It looks looks old and cool. Okay. It's, it's dangerous to leave musical instruments around people who are drinking, you know, and you just start getting karaoke. You know, I've, we've only had like three people who, yeah, I don't want to say three, maybe like six or eight people who have actually been able to sit down and play it and sound good and kind of get the room going. My ultimate vision for the for that being there is that other musicians will come in and just kind of sit down with a guitar and play. Yeah. And then it's impromptu. And then people know that they can come here and just do impromptu. Um, and you know, just have fun with it. Uh, so maybe the piano works, maybe it doesn't. Otherwise it's, it's there. So, so, uh, a good segue into, you know, what, what do you guys do here? Uh, do, do you have music events? Do you host any, uh, special occasions here? Do you, um, 
Like, what do you have for social for the social scene? Sure. Um, last night we had live music. Uh, we do that every other week on Friday night. Uh, we had uh, um, a food vendor here last night that's got this really cool um, pasta making um, technique. I, I want to say his name is Tigu. I, I may have mispronounced that, and I apologize if I have. Uh, but the guy's got a great following, great food. Um, we we have an, we have two events today. We have one for FFP, uh, which is a, a national run club, um, and they're doing their Texas holiday party here. Uh, we have a club beer club, brew club beer release today as well, and we also have a baby shower today. Tomorrow we have a food vendor and another small event. So we, we do book for events. I mean, we're open seven days a week. Um, in the course of being open seven days a week, most of our traffic is Thursday through Sunday. And um, uh, we're, we're available for booking for events, indoor, outdoor, private party. You can rent the whole space out. You can rent a portion of it out. Uh, we, we, we're pretty, we try to keep a pretty active calendar uh, for social engagement. And, um, and we rotate our beers a good amount. We try to have something new on every week or every other week. You know, on, on that note, we're, like I said, we're on a quest to find Texas' uh, best brewery and best in class. And so mm-hmm. you mentioned um, that you host events and you host, you said, did you say baby shower? Is that, is that We have a baby heard? shower today, okay. yeah. yeah. Cool. I mean, I'm assuming you, you, you allow pets. We do, dog friendly. Dog friendly. Okay. I don't know what else you got friendly wise, but I mean, how do people, you said people can book events. Uh, where do they go? Do you, do you want to throw your social media? Um, handles out there or do you know them offhand yeah i mean if you don't we can just put them in the show notes and, and yeah they're pretty basic find. it's it's new magnolia brew for both uh, facebook and um instagram and um what's the other one tiktok not tiktok we haven't twitter? crossed twitter yeah twitter? okay twitter. yeah uh, we haven't crossed over it. yeah it's, it's uh we we have a social media uh individual who who Christine does a phenomenal job, um, but she it's it's very part time for her. Uh, but then she also has a regular corporate gig. Um, but it, it's a it can be a full time job. Like if anybody would ever say like, what's the one thing that keeps you up at night every night of the week that you feel like you didn't do enough of? It's social media. Yep. No, I bet. Hey, and the one thing we're going to do on on Texas Tap Rooms is we're going to host and we're going to publish all the things that are going around going around town or around. Texas, um, all the social events, new brew releases, that kind of thing. Um, for all the people that have been on our podcast, we're going to push that stuff out to everybody uh, in our listening base. Um, so in terms of contacting you guys, uh, just connect with you guys on, on one of those social media platforms for booking a space or booking a booking an event. Yeah, we also push everybody to info at New Magnolia Brewing. That's with an ing dot com. So that's info at newmagnoliabrewing.com. Okay, excellent. Okay, hey, uh, look, uh, we we've been at this for a while. I don't want to take up all your time. So um, one thing that we are doing on the show is we are doing a Texas Tap Room triple flight, where we pick the three beers of our of our choosing, and uh, they all of our listeners can show up at your brewery and get a special deal if they order this Texas Tap Rooms triple flight. And so um, I picked my beer, Matt's got his beer, you've got your beer, but we're going to leave it to you to give us a, a, a quick rundown on what we're drinking here. Sure. Uh, the first and beer. And you can start with uh, either one of us. Yeah. Um, so uh, we, 
kind of going from lightest to darkest. Um, well, that's not true. So we started with two loggers and we have an IPA on yep. the back end. Um, I think Matt picked uh, the Heights Light Lager, um, which is a two-time national award-winning beer for us. Uh, it's in the American Light Lager category. It's four percent, twenty IBUs. Um, very, very approachable. Uh, it's our number one selling beer across the Houston market. Uh, we sell it in sixteen-ounce cans uh, in the, in many different grocery retail segments, and then uh, on draft around town as well. Uh, we named it after the Heights, which is where we're at. And it's a light lager, so heights and light. So there's a lot of um, thought that went into the name and the overall uh, label design for this particular beer. Um, so we're really proud of this this beer that kind of keeps on keeping on for us. And so this is where we started today with um, Matt. You want to say anything about it since you picked I mean, it's it? It's delicious. Yeah, I went. Uh, I, I'll say going back to what you said about the insurance policy. You see the the silver medal hanging next to it on the wall, and you're like, I'm going to give this a shot. Uh, there, there's some, there's some strength to it in terms of, uh, what's, you know, what it's, what it's won in the past and how it's been received in the past. And, uh, it stood up, it stood up to that. Yeah. It was delicious. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. Awesome. Let's step on to the next beer, which is the next one you want to go over. So this is Richelot Revisited. Uh, this, this is, this is my pick, right? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Murph, Murph, right? That's that's the nickname. That's it. You have to tell us how you got that at the end. Um, that this particular beer is um, brewed from it, so it's it. We're calling it a dark lager, so it has a very deep uh, amber, beyond amber uh, color, uh, crystal clear. Beyond that, though, um, and it's uh, it's the perfect fall beer. And it was brewed from, which is this is a really cool part, from the original recipes from. 1914 which were from the original magnolia brewery which was downtown houston uh between 1895 and 1935 really right so these these original recipes came to us by way of the grandchildren of the original magnolia brewery uh their head brewer or their their brewmaster um france brunier so we connected with his grandkids here in Texas, and they had everything, but the the recipes were all in French and Flemish. <laughs> well, when you don't know how to read it or you have to pay somebody to translate it, it kind of p- creates a problem. So they were sitting on them forever. Well, it turns out that John, my partner, the head brewer, speaks fluent French and right. reads fluent French, and he can make sense of the Flemish, which is a deviation, a derivation of French, right? And so John went to work on it, and being an engineer, he overanalyzed every aspect of these these recipes, and and together working with um, uh, Bev Blackwood, who is one of the top beer judges in North America, um, and um, Scott Birdwell, who is an honorary um, grandmaster um, for beer judging, and was the previous owner of or the original not original but the owner of Falco's, which since closed down. Those two guys consulted with us on this particular beer and so we we built this beer based off historic records uh historic recipes um and technique and uh, we re-released it here uh this month as our beer of the month um and it's just you know it's it's malty and and um it's got like cinnamon and and kind of an uh a nut 
nut flavor up front. Um, it's really pretty in the glass to look at. It's got great head retention. Uh, finishes really nice and dry like a lager should. Uh, it's done really, really well. We, our, our hope is that with rebrewing these um, historical beers, the last one will be Grand Prize, which is the one that won number one beer in the world for the original Magnolia Brewery in um, 19. 12 and so we have that we're working towards that as something we'll brew next year and we're looking to put a big um, marketing and pr around all that uh, because we think that this history needs to be retold because you're talking about beer from the 1800s 1900s when you know you don't hear these stories about other major cities in the state of texas but they existed here in houston and not to throw anybody under the bus, but like I think that's our shining star when it comes to beer in the state of Texas. Uh, so anyway, uh, that's the Richelieu revisited um, that we're trying here. A second, that, that, that's a that's a like that's a pretty awesome story. I think we could probably um, do a whole separate segment just on like the history there. Yeah, that, that's come back. That, and, that is so cool. Yeah. yeah. Let me ask. Uh, it says on the menu here a small batch limited release. So mm-hmm. you know, I didn't know any of this before I picked it. I just know I like darker ales and and darker beers and and that's why i picked that um i really enjoyed it uh i'm not going to get into the flavor notes because my palate's not that sophisticated i just know that i really like this okay but is that so it's limited release it's not going to be around for a long time correct um it we hope to have it back um in regular rotation over time Um, but for now we've done this just as a very limited, small batch, fifteen barrel release um, for this particular beer. Okay, so maybe I picked the wrong beer for uh, a, a uh, Texas Tap Room Triple Flight. But for anybody listening, get in here soon. Get in here soon and get it because it's going to be gone soon. And and when the, when it's gone, I guess you're gonna we're gonna have to substitute with a different beer. We will, and we'll substitute it with our Czech Amber Lager. Yeah, that's what I was looking at next uh, yep. on on the uh, menu there. What yeah, are, what are your mainstays that, that someone can come in here and find? It yep. Anytime? Yeah, that's a great question, Matt. Um, we call it the four core. It's Heights Light, it's Czech Amber Lager, uh, Redwood, uh, and then WYSIWYG, which is a juicy IPA. Uh, so those four uh, existing cans uh, around the Houston market. Uh, all year round and then also in draft all year round. Uh, they're always here in the tap room as well. Uh, we do have other rotationals, but those are the four core. Okay. WYSIWYG, I mean, that I remember that from back in uh, pre-XL days, I think it was. It's mm-hmm. what you see is what you get. That's right. And it used to be, um, I don't know what software it used to be, but yes, yeah, it was basically very intuitive. Is what you see is what you get, you know? Is right. that where it came from? That is exactly where it came from. Oh, okay. <laughs> Being from um, my my early IT days at Shell, uh, it was kind of a poke in, in the eye of all those hazy drinkers who like to hold their beer up as soon as they get it. Okay. <laughs> and and look at it like, look at that. It's hazy. Uh, it's yeah. like, dude, you ordered a hazy. What did you expect? <laughs> That's what you see is what you get. Yeah, it's true. And so it's it's. And then what we did was we went one step beyond and we actually created a label that has a matrix like from the movie the green drip um which is that which to us and we joke it's like it's the decision point of the blue pill red pill take one and you're a hazy drinker take the other and you're not okay yeah uh and so there's a decision point for people to make in that so it's it was just a really clever way for us to tie a bunch of like tongue-in-cheek kind of mentality into that beer okay good 
Uh, and then the final beer on the list, which I believe is your pick, is it? And yeah, I, the mainstays. I, that's good. Yeah, that's good. yeah. And it is Red, Redwood's a mainstay. Um, what's fun about Redwood is, you know, there's a sticker on our our walking cooler that says "Make IPAs Clear Again." Okay. And so this IPA is is as clear as any of our lagers. And just to be clear to the world out there, no pun intended, um, we don't centrifuge or we and we do not filter any of our beers. Everything we do is through fermentation. Okay. So the quality that you see when you come in um, is purely done with time and skill. Uh, a lot of breweries have to take other alternative methods to get the beer where they where they where they look when they give them to you at the tapper. Um, so Redwood is piney and resinous up front, um, hoppy and dry on the finish. Uh, it's it achieves what I call the three dimensions of, of a beer. You know, it's got that, that flavor arch from start to finish. Um, and so it's, it's very well balanced. Um, it, it's the type of IPA that you can continue to come back to time and time again, uh, and not get palate fatigue from the hops, which is what a lot of people experience unnecessarily. And of course, because of the water profile, uh, it's not going to tear you up on the inside. Oh, good. You know, I, I mentioned several times I don't like IPAs as a general rule, but I got to tell you, this one went down pretty good. You know, um, I actually I actually enjoyed that one. So maybe you're uh, converting me here. I don't know. We try. It's, yeah. It's super balanced. Yeah. That's for sure. Okay. So that's the Texas uh, Taproom Triple Flight. Uh, let's go over them again just one more time. It's a Heights Light Lager. The might mess this up, but the Richelieu Revisited Dark Lager. And because that's a limited release, that may get substituted with the Czech Amber Lager. And then finally, the Redwood IPA. Guys, if you want to get the Richelieu Revisited Dark Lager, get in here soon. Get in here soon. It's not going to last long. Now, you're st- even if you don't get here in time, you're still going to get three great beers. Okay? So get in here. Ask for the Texas Taproom Triple Flight. And Shane's going to give you a great deal on that on that flight of beer. Um. I think that's it, man. Um, I think we might be ready to wrap it up. I, I, I got to say, I'm, I'm so impressed by your level of knowledge and, and uh, business acumen and, and the ability to, to speak uh, about the business, about the brews, about the water, about the chemistry, uh, about the flavor notes. Um, it's just like phenomenal. You kind of blew me away here. Well, thanks. I appreciate it. I've had a little bit of practice. Um, but uh, when you really love something that you do, it just kind of comes naturally. Yep. I, I bet. So I got to throw out uh, a, th- a thanks. Uh, thanks to Matt for showing up, man, being a, a guest host. Shane, thanks, obviously, for having us here and, and hosting us and giving us, uh, you, you know, the breakdown of, of your beers and, and your facility here. It looks fantastic, guys. You got to come in and visit this place. And I got to throw out a, sh- uh, a thanks to uh, Brooke, Matt's wife, uh, for helping us organize this thing as well. So, guys, we're going to be bringing some exciting things to you, as mentioned in the intro. Uh, we're going to have some discounts on beer. We're going to have brewery swag, Texas taproom swag. Um, so give us a follow. Turn on the notifications. You know, if you like this podcast, leave a five-star review. Share it with your friends. Hit us up on social media. There's, you've got a lot of work to do here, okay? But mainly, you got to get in here and try this brewery, try this beer. Shane's been fantastic. I'm sure he's going to treat you well, and you're going to have a great time. So please join us again next time as we as we go on our quest to find Texas best brewery on Texas tap rooms. Mm-hmm.